Father God, you have sung, Heavenly Father, that we shall serve you to the end. We have also called you our Master. Help us, Heavenly Father, O God. Take us to the end. And even as we speak, Heavenly Father, speak to me and speak to the brethren. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise God. The theme of this year has been the Kingdom Lifestyle. The Kingdom Lifestyle is not something to believe, but it is something to do. This was given is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus climbed an unknown mountain, and there he taught the disciples. I will take this very gradually. Indeed, we have to look at what is this masters, what is this mammon. We look back into our culture while we are still drawn back to that mammon. And then we also look at the entrance of the Christianity, how they attempt to take us away from the mammon. Usually, I show you Bible examples of those who actually served two mammons. And then what we do with our word, and finally we conclude. Majority of the time, when you read the Bible, either it's warning you or telling you something you must desist from doing. Praise God. We usually have two masters. If those things don't exist, nobody will be saying you have two masters. When I looked up what is really mammon and what is really wealth, mammon is gain. That was St. Paul was referring to in Philippians chapter 3 verse 7. That whatever was lost, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul was everything. He now considered whatever was in him, he considered all of them what? Lost for the sake of Christ. What are masters? What are mammons? What is money? Masters are many. Masters are many. It can be the pride of life. That can be your pride of life. It can be your education, what you have attained in life. It can be sports. Some people have even scattered their family by watching World Cup. It can be laptops. I know a professor. Any single laptop that came out in the world, he goes for it. It can be honors. You want to have as many honors as possible. It can be praise and applause of men. It can even be sleep. It can be your jewelries. Can be gold. I know one man, he always tell me that, I, well, I heard it from one man that there's no time in this Enugu he's not building a house. It can be houses. It can be loss of the eyes, it can be loss of the flesh, it can be a ring you are wearing on your fingers, it can be a business empires. WhatsApp can take a lot of time. It can be your God, it can be your master. Other things are your Twitters and Facebooks and pornography and then your TV. Even yourself and finally the money. What actually Jesus was trying to tell us here is trying to extract us from something that will occupy our life. 
Jesus wants to be your master and your savior. That is all. Anything that goes into in contract with that, any moment of your life that takes over that mastership and savior is what Jesus hates in your life. No matter what it is. No matter your level, whether you are poor, whether you are rich, whether you are educated or whether you are not. Anything that occupies your mind prevents you from getting closer to God or worshipping him is your master. Praise God. Jesus said that we should love him and depend on him continually. When I looked at the Hebrew verse of these scriptures, he read like this, that's how the Igbo version describes that part of the scriptures. But sometimes we ask ourselves, because to me, really, as a Christian, what actually pushes us, what actually makes us to go back to these masters? That is the nature we have. Like all animals, I remember when I said, we are always drawn to these material things if you are not spiritual. Even if you become a Christian, this attraction to material things doesn't wipe out completely. I was with my children one day. I told them that I was still being tempted. They shrank. They thought I have attained. They thought nothing distracts me again that I'm just waiting to be raptured. But is it true? It's not true. We were brought up in a, in a environment where an is not true. And there is an Asian I grew up in Onitsha, so I know all these things. And that you are dead without money. When you don't have money, when you don't have wealth, when you don't have our clothes around you, you look as if nothing ever has even gone to you. But I know fully well that if I move into Old Park now and sit, and sit there, dressed up, do anybody know me there? Absolutely nothing. I'm just like any other person there. It's only when I move into a place where people know me that say, look, this person is a professor. So in the eyes of God, we are almost the same. Praise God. Jesus was telling us in Matthew 6, verse 31 to 32, that we should not do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, I mark that word, run after all these things. He didn't say go after them. They do what? They run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. It's like if you have a child in school and you are paying the school fees and you see him running around looking for money, how will you feel? Huh? You will feel bad because you have brought out this child and you are making an effort to train this child. So sometimes when we run after these things, we are actually selling in another words that we don't trust the father. That's what it means. They are telling Jesus that look, you don't trust you. Even though that these things you have said, I'm not sure you are going to do it. But the Bible says the pagans. Praise God. 
the Christians actually came up in order to sort out these problems. When I joined the Scripture Union, they were asking, Is it not true? Anarawomu Jesus. Anarawomu Jesus. Anarawomu I pray for some time. People can say, What? You want to give everything to the devil? No. You can't. We don't change our song that Jesus should settle us. Is it not true? He should do what? He should settle us. And that continues to put this drive and bring so much confusion into the Christian term. People pray to, to be given over the inheritance of the heathens. We go to church, we decree and demand to position ourselves for earthly comfort. Not really for heaven, but to position ourselves for what? Earthly comfort. We are naming and we are claiming it. And then how can you have testimony when you don't have money? Is it possible? So these things come up and so a seed. All these things are the confusion that came in. And then what do we really learn? Most people are now confused. And then the masters we are serving become, we don't try to put so many people inside the picture. But the essence of this kingdom lifestyle is to correct these anomalies and to remind us where we are. And where we are going. Praise God. Jesus talked about these things. About trying to get to the higher level. Because these things were also existing in the times of those Pharisees. They were. Because we have escaped. Most of us have escaped the gross sins. Very big sins of adultery, idolatry, fornication, outright robbery. But the devil has not left us. He's still trying to twist us. With these little, little things. Those of you that did anatomy know there's a gross anatomy, is it not? And there's a histology. When you finish the big one, this, what Jesus was addressing here is the histology of sin. Praise God. So, what, why, why should we not serve two masters? Because some people will say, okay, let us really serve. But is it possible? It's not. They give what we call two conflicting and conflicting commands. God will tell you, my son, give me your heart. In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 26. But mom and the word, another man says, okay, do what? Give me your heart. God is pulling you on this side. The devil and the other is also pulling you on this other side. So where will you, will you divide your heart into two? You must make a choice. If I'm working with a commissioner now, together in the same line, the police that is following the commissioner will be following both of us. Is it not true? But as soon as commissioner changes direction, what will happen? The police will abandon me. Is it not true? Because he knows his word, his master. So what happens is that what God is telling us at each moment in our life, we should know what our master. So when God is telling you, give me your heart, he's telling you also, give me her heart. Then the Bible will tell us that godliness with contentment is a great gain. In First Timothy chapter 6, 6 to 8, Mammon and the world will tell you to grasp all that is ever come your way. Everything that comes your way, grab it. Put it in your pocket. It belongs to you. Then the Bible, the, the word of God will tell you, defraud not. Allow yourself to be defrauded. 
So when I run business, I run, I run businesses, and I, when I read this part of the scripture that we should even be allow ourselves to be what defrauded, I was shocked because in trying to give account of every penny you have, you even kill yourself. Is it not true? You allow yourself to be defrauded. Somebody may go to court in order to get everything he needs. Apologies to the lawyers. But the Bible said that, look, allow yourself to who want to be defrauded at a certain time. But go to court, even if you are looking for 500 naira. Make sure you lock up the person completely. And make sure he pays to the wall to the last penny. The other command we get is, never lie, be honest in all your doings. But the mama will tell you, cheat, lie, in order to make words gain. Praise God. Be charitable. No, how can you be charitable? People are usually ungrateful. I know, there was one man I called. He said, if you know how many people I have helped in this life, none of them has even come back. There's a litany of people you have helped who don't even talk to you today, if you look back. But are you helping them or are you help, are you doing the work of God? Are you fulfilling the kingdom lifestyle or are you helping them? If you rely on that, you will never do what help anybody. Don't ever expect thank you. You are doing what you are working for God. The Bible will tell us, be careful for nothing in Matthew 6.25. The mama will tell you, be careful for what? Everything. Say, so keep the holy, the Sabbath, I'll stop here. And then the Bible said, I mean, the mama will tell you, keep, use every day, including Sunday, to do your business. The world will say, you please God. The one, mama will tell you what, please man. Treasures in heaven, treasures on earth. Actually, the Bible is actually telling us about the excessive pursuit of wealth. Each way go can one. No, there's a way you pursue this money. Everything that comes out of your way, it stresses you. You want to gain everything. I've never seen anybody who died and had all his account was reading zero. Is it not true? At the moment of when people have died, they still have money in the bank. So why all these pursuits, all these dangers, all these awful Praise God. Money has its own dangers. That's what God is warning us about. Let us look at it. Money and the pursuit is one of the fastest ways to spiritual decay. You may be looking for something that will eventually move you away from Christ. Majority of us may be battling with these masters. Money. It leads you gradually to spiritual decay. Because if you take up your time, take up your heart. Praise God. God is warning us this way. Being ruled by money. Being ruled by money is that you cannot serve what? Two masters. The other one is loving money. I have a friend. He told us that, look, he helped somebody after training somebody in school. The person invited him to, I think it's US or one of these European countries. He attended the wedding. And the person gave him a watch. What? 500,000. When he came back, he kept that watch in one room. After praying every morning, he will go and look at the watch. He was afraid to wear it outside. He said he did this thing for two weeks. 
After some time, he thought to himself, What is he reading? He took the watch and just gave it to somebody who doesn't even know the worth of the watch. He said it was at that moment that he got liberated. There is something that will be happening if your house is now on fire while you are sitting here. There is a particular point in that your house, or something you kept in that your house, which if you enter your house, you run straight to it. Now, is it not true? That is your master. <laughs> that is what is pulling you. That is your master. Because one man was complaining, his house was on fire. I see the wife just went on and just took her certificate, carried her portmanteau and walked away. And that was the woman's word, master. Each point in time, if they say go-go in your house, there's a particular thing that really gets you. I'll give you also one example to me. When I bought a car as a young doctor, very many years ago, which I borrowed money to do. I really borrowed. Then, so much money. I packed it in the garage. It was a torment. Because one is that I haven't paid that I haven't paid for the car completely. If there's a lizard that makes through on the on the roof, I thought somebody is trying to carry the car. That is it. I couldn't sleep. So sometimes I wonder how people actually amass wealth and sleep with it. Because the where you will be so afraid. You won't pray. Even if you are praying and there's something, you go back to where that master is. Something that actually distracts you. You run after it. You really put everything and concerning it. That is your master. So we shouldn't love money. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. In First Timothy chapter 6 verse 10, some people eager for money has wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with what? Many griefs. And what God Let us detach ourselves. Spiritual detachment from the mammon and from these masters. The other one is trusting in money. Even though we are told in Ibonakunesobike, when you remember what you have, you now find out that people actually trust money. That is why you see somebody stealing billions. Is it not true? That is the human nature. They are not, why they are doing this and they are not degenerated? That is the human nature. They don't have any trust in any other thing. They don't know God. They don't know anything. How can somebody is broke, take one million, two million, hundred million, do you understand? Because some people may think that you are rich. But you remember that if you tell a senator that I should give him everything I have myself so that it belongs to him completely, he will consider himself a poor person. Is it not true? Everything I have in this Enugu, a senator or a governor will take it. They are take it completely. The person will consider me a wretched man. Is it not true? I don't know whether, whether you understand what I'm saying. So this money and these things has stages. And some people believe in this crossing. So they continue accumulating. The Bible says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their trust in wealth, which is uncertain. I have known this thing completely. As a young man in the early 90s, my money was stocked in ACB. I have not recovered it today. So it was that money not uncertain. It was uncertain. Anything can happen. Whether you put it in the bank, the bank can collapse, everything can happen. So trusting in God, God is trying to move us away from this trust today. 
in our own kingdom lifestyle. Then God is also against storing up wealth. What happens is that we also are not sure that God will keep us healthy. God will provide for us. That's why we are storing this. No matter how much money you store, if you become sick, need either kidney or renal transplant or anything, what will happen to that money? I don't, that's, that will just occur to you that you are poor. Because that thing will not do anything. So God is moving us away to this trust on Him and not on this world. He's distract, where these things are distracting us. He can't have, it can't. Because once you are sick, your whole money goes. Not only the money goes, the person also goes in relation with that money. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where teeth break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where fish do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Praise God. Your treasure moves before your heart in everything. If you want to be more serious with anything, even this church, put your treasure there. Once the greater part of your money moves into any organization, your heart will follow naturally. Move your treasure first. Your heart will do what will follow it. Praise God. Your checkbook and your bank statement is your theological document. If you bring your statement of result now, now I'll look at how that your money goes. I'll break your checkbook and look at the stumps. That is your theological document. When you go back, you look at it. Print your statement of account. Look at how you have been spending your money and know how much money you have invested in the kingdom. That will give you an idea how you are working. Praise God. Fear that I will not need the money. My children will not work trying to build houses for them. So there was even a day I was walking towards my car. One voice told me, did any of your children tell you to leave anything for him? That changed a little bit of my attitude. I thought somebody was following me behind. I turned. Did anybody, even all of us that are fathers, has any of your children approached you and tell you that you must build house for him? Sponsor his wedding, live his life, marry for him. Why are we struggling so much in order to keep these things? They will take care of themselves. Simple education is okay. Because all these things put us into what I call the poverty web. You accumulate money, you put it on something, you go back and start all afresh. Trying to save, look after your family very well. But don't go into struggling in order to kill yourself. Praise God. And for you to move away from your hands. Finally, we can go to examples of those who actually serve two masters. And then I will close. Let's see Balaam in Numbers chapter 23 verse 5. The Bible is teaching us one thing. 
we are going to learn some lessons from very few people who attempted this thing we are doing now, how they ended up badly. Balaam said in Numbers chapter 23 verse 5, The Lord put a message in Balaam's mouth and said, Go back to Balak and give him this message. So which means Balaam was a disciple. Is it not true? God was talking to him. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 3 to 4. Where we are talking about exclusion from the assembly. I'll read for lack of time. He said, no, Amo, no Amolites or Moabite or any of his descendants may enter the assembly of the Lord, even down to the tenth generation. For they did not come to meet you with bread and water on your way when you came out of Egypt. And they hired Balan, son of Boer, from Petor in Aram, to pronounce a curse on you. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15. The same Balaam. The Bible said that they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of all, who loved the wages of wickedness. So you, that's why we should not mind ourselves sleeping away. These people, we are not very rich. So don't think to you now own houses in Abuja, Lagos, and uh, Dubai that you think that this mammon will not catch you. He catches everybody who is even selling granite. Is it not true? Because you can cheat there. So he left the straight way and they followed the way of balance. Son of the Lord did not listen to him. Is it not true? Because he converted the cause into a blessing. Let's let's go to Gehazi, Second Kings chapter five, one to seven. Second Kings five, one to seven. Now, Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrian had gone out on raids, and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife, then she said to her, Mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he will heal him of his leprosy. And Neman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king, which said, None be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Neman my servant to you, that you may hear him of leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his cloth and said, Am I God to kill and make a life? That this man sent a man to me to hear him of leprosy. Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Now, it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his cloth, that he sent to the king, saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let me come, please come to me and I shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a message to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. 
Benaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not Abama and Faba the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Jerusalem? Will I not wash in them clean and be clean? So he turned and went away in a range. And a servant came near him and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then, when he hears to you, wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Now, watch the scene. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take gift for your servants. But he said, As the Lord lives, before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, If not, please let your servant be given two moolly loaves of earth for your servant. We no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to your God, but to the Lord. Yet in things, yes, in this thing may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes into the temple, then let's go back to 20. Remember, he has refused the gift. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, Look, my master has spared Naaman the Syrian. Why not receive him from his son what he bought? But that the Lord lives, I will run after him and take something from him. This is a man serving two masters. Is it not clear? He was serving two masters. So Gehazi pursued, pursued Naaman. When Naaman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. And he said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me lion. Saying, Indeed, just now two young men of the sons of prophets have come to me from the mountain of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of garments. So Naaman said, Please take two talents. And he urged him and bound two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of garments, and handed him over to him, the servant, and they carried him away ahead of him. When he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand and stored them away in the house. Then he let them go, and they departed. Now he went in and stood before his master, having served the previous master. Some of us are like this. We can't stand before God, because he knows if you are serving two masters. He now said, Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gehazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Your servant did not go what? Anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariots to meet you? Is it time to receive money and to receive clothing, only goods and vine dress, sheep and oxen, male and female servant? Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and you are descendants forever. And he went away from his place, left us as white as snow. There are the consequences of serving two masters. This, when we read the scriptures, we ask ourselves, is there any warning? Or is there any example to follow or not to follow? 
The example we should not follow here is the example of what? Gehazi. He was pushed. He wanted those masters. So he was meeting slave masters. He was serving the devil. He was serving God. He was looking after Elisha. Masters. So how many masters do we have? Can't we concentrate on one? Because the Bible made it very clear. At the end of the day, didn't he, he lost completely. So there's no way we can serve two masters or even three masters and then concentrate on one. So the, the wages of iniquity was what? That he became leprous. Let us look at the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, 16 to 23. I'm just giving you some examples and then we close. Matthew 19, verse 16. So now, behold, one came and said to Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? He has produced something good. Why do you call me teacher? No one is good but one that, one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. The stage is certain. Jesus said, he said to him, which one? Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witnesses. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth. What do I stay like? Like most of us, we have kept these things. We have kept these things. Nobody will go after you for these gross things. All oh, these little folks that will actually drive, they are the banana peels that can just slip you off. Having suffered, having given you a life, having made effort to avoid all these things. Praise God. Jesus said that if you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have, give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven, come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away, what? Sorrowful, because he had great possessions. Is there anything in your life that God is demanding, which you are moving away from him sorrowfully? That thing is your master. That thing is my master. People go about me, who begin to be afraid, cannot ever. That is your master. Are you ready to release it today and have only one master in your life? Praise God. Is the attitude? The attitude. Let's really go which one that also worries us in Matthew chapter twenty-six, verse. 14. That actually baffles me also. But in just a few verses, let's read it. The one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said to him, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him thirty pieces of silver. So from time now, he sought an opportunity to betray him. He was even the treasurer. So no matter the height we have actually reached, this master still continues to screw us. This somebody who is a disciple, one of the twelves. Now, my brother, Makatati pieces of silver. Do you people understand what I'm saying? Doesn't it look ridiculous? Now somebody who has been a disciple, follow Jesus Christ. Go to Abu Tati, pieces of silver, Bose Master, 
orapo zia Jesus ayincha na efekita ayafro na anya nyanwa na onwe ha sinwu na emetu aka nya nya na ayi ana akuzi following from place to place e were thirty pieces of silver ni we betray Jesus so don't underestimate these masters they are powerful and they attack us daily especially those of us that are men from every angle on abia on a daily what basis so we need to find it out and train it was in the ministry of Jesus the primary move for him really he had Jesus as his master is it not true he has but another master called thirty pieces of silver came up he abandoned the, his real master and then took the thirty pieces you know can see here again make but you need god you need god you need grace to do so praise god Let's look again at Luke chapter 16. These are example to what we asking yourself. Ana ekwi ha iwelo bigi na agbako. You just be thinking about your life, be thinking about how do I because when I was preparing this message, I was also thinking about my own life. That this message need us to have what a paradigm shift from where we are. To another place, looking for our real masters. Luke chapter sixteen, nineteen to twenty-five. There was a rather certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and fell sumptuously. The Bible said every day. The man is calling the word every day. He didn't miss any day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his feet. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from his rich man's table, moreover the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that that, be, that beggar died and was carried by the angels to the Abraham's bosom. Are you not jealous? Look at how the Bible describes how the beggar died. He was carried by angels to the Abraham's bosom. But look at the rich man. The Bible just wrote the rich man also died and was buried. So when we die, we will just be written you have you have died and you were buried, or we will be written that you were died and angels carried you. And being in torments in hell, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Praise God! And he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, so that I may be tormented in this flame. So these things are showing us. Malaga busi ogaranya no wa no. Tabazi afufu na enigbe. Onwerisi. Ebi ga ebi ebebe. These things are so important to us. The beggar died and I was just probably the rich man was carried by 10 ambulances. But those the man because when you are burying somebody you don't even know the state of that man. He may even be, be angry. About what you are trying to spend, the money you have. Some people may be saving this man or they lie a little, they lie a little. So people are actually looking for your wealth. They don't even care whether you are in torment or not. They are just there. Now as some more, now as some mineral, now as you see, eh? Okwanawa. So does it really make sense? It doesn't make sense. So that you use your money and your wealth on something that will show you and give you treasures in heaven. And should not even discard you. Finally, let's look at this fool. 
Luke 12, 13. Luke chapter 12 from 13 to 21. Then one of the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said, Man, who made you a judge or an arbiter over you? He said to him, Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. Lawyers will tell you that majority of the court cases are just properties. Eh? Properties. When was an properties, landlord and tenant? Covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his world possessions. So, you see, these things are something that occasionally occupies you and pushes you away. He spoke a parable to them and said, The group of a certain rich man yielded friendly, and he brought within himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, and be what? Mary. But God said to him, What? Fool. This night your soul will be required of you. Then who will, who will those things which you have provided? Who will take care of them? Who? So it is for those who lay out treasures for death in heaven, but it is not rich. Towards God. Not that you don't, I do not, I'm not against somebody building a house or somebody getting up every morning, sleeping in his house and looking for people to help him. What is important is that there are what we call spiritual detachment from the things of this world. The same thing with this world. Is it not true? This is how you follow how you follow the word of God. How do you spend your money? One of the best examples you can is in Matthew chapter twenty five, thirty one to forty six. I will paraphrase it so that I can close. It is a sheep and a goat. Jesus described the kingdom when he is seated in his glory. There will be a goat on the left and there will be a sheep on that. He said, I was hungry and you did what? You gave me food. I was thirsty. You give what? You give me a drink. Sometimes I wonder how we behave. Not only as Christians but as an African. The other time they were just, there was a news that so much money that was budgeted for people who have HIV and AIDS in this country was stolen and embezzled. This is somebody in the United States. He doesn't know us. But he knows that we are being ravaged with HIV and AIDS. Sent money to us. Do you understand? We now prepare false receipts and took the money and allow people who are dying from HIV to do what? To do so. That is totally mammon. That is devil. That is Satan. So I was hungry. You make up food. I was thirsty. And you gave me a word drink. 
There was a stranger you invited him. He had clothes. You clothed him. He was sick. You looked after him. And finally, he was prison. And you visited him. When I looked at this thing, I evaluated myself. I found that I have not gone to the prison. So these things are something we need to evaluate ourselves from daily. People die because of these pursuits. Most people collapse because of these pursuits. And there is no end to it. There is no end to it. Let's look at John chapter 6 verse 26. Jesus answered, I will read it. I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fear. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, when the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval on the Father. They asked him, what must we do to do the works of God required? Jesus answered. The work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he has sent. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ he has sent? Bow your head in prayers. Have you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ whom he has sent? Is there anything still pulling on you? We had the drama. You have everything. You have this message. Who is your master? What is pulling you? What occupies the greater part of your life? What occupies the greater part of my own life as a Christian? Don't think of any other person on earth except yourself. Because all of us, including myself speaking to you now, we stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. I will be, I will stand, you will stand. Ask yourself, if that moment occurs now, are you ready to do so? If you are not giving your life to Christ, you should say the prayers now, very quietly, into your heart. That the Lord Jesus will come into your life to become your Lord and your personal Savior. That Jesus should forgive you your sins. That you are going to him just like the thief on the cross. Remember me in thy paradise. Not because of anything you have done. God will forgive you. God will forgive you. And accept you and put your name in the book of life. And remove your name from the book of death. This is your opportunity. You may not have any other one again. Who is your master? Where is your treasure? Where is your heart? Where are the things that give you divided attention from God? That keep you busy? That's the way to put it. You've been in Jesus. You walk with him. You've been praying for something. Appointments. Elevation. Degree. Exams. Praying for job openings. When you get them, who is your master? How are you still relating with God? Do they now draw you further away? Have they now eaten your time? Are they now your excuse? You want to belong, you want to upwardly mobile, you want to make it all. 
It's not in a man that will it or walk it. It is of God who shows mercy. Who is your God? Your jewels. The uniforms you change. The dresses that are up to date. The phones you have. Who is your master? One is our master and that is Jesus. Can you speak to him? Can you speak to him? God has spoken earlier on in prophecy. He's speaking again now. That he has given you an assignment as a man in the family, as a woman. He gave you a rule. He gave you priorities. He asked you to seek first the kingdom of God. And command your children and your household to follow the way of the Lord. To do justice and to love righteousness. That he will bring to come to pass the things he has spoken about you. Why can we not key into that again? Woman, where is your master? What takes your heart? Is he a bank account? Is he a foreign account? Is he a dollars? Is it that beautiful dress? If all you should splash on it, you will mourn for a week. Tell the Lord I repent of these things. I sincerely come to you with my heart, with my life, and I draw to you. Walk in me to do and to will of your good pleasure. Father in heaven, deliver us from every other master that is not in you in the name of Jesus. Deliver us from every other desire that keeps us from morning till night. That drives us from January to December. That gives us a push to be like the others. To belong. To be seen in the eye of people. That give us vaulting ambition that are not anchored on you in the name of Jesus. Lord, this morning we pray you. Whatever desire or master or liking or pursuit that always pushes up adrenaline inside of us and puts us under pressure is not of you. Old or young, students, to find a life partner by any means, to pass exams by all means, to achieve to the peak in the shortest possible time. And they put an unholy desire and they put a pursuit on us, and they eclipse you from our lives. Father in heaven, Lord, we confess them, and we drop them in the name of Jesus Christ. We renounce them in the name of Jesus. And because of it, our vision of you is beclouded. Because of it, O oh God, we run and walk as those who punch the air. Because of it, our Christian life is jeopardized. We cannot shine out. We cannot stand for the truth. We cannot stand for an identity. We cannot remain with you. When we start speaking, we will be like Gehazi, who has other masters, and we are leprous before you. And we do not gain approval. Lord, forgive us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, look into our lives again. Try our hearts and us. Search our lives. And see if there be any wicked way. Any covetousness. Any desire more than you. Any pursuit to measure up as men will reckon. But not according to your guidance. Father, purge us of them in the name of Jesus. And grant us a holy desire to seek you. 
that we may find you. Seek your kingdom and your righteousness. And Lord, you will add these things unto us in due time. In the name of Jesus. Give us a testimony today that on this Father's Day, Lord, as we renounced every other pursuit, ambition that competed with your interest and serving you and desiring our life, and let it go, that your peace will rule in our heart, that we can give you a role in our lives, that our heart and our treasure will be properly aligned together. Lord, that you added those things that people run after in this world and they came in their due time according to your will in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your help. Be thou exalted. In Jesus' name we pray.